Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, Father Scott Trainer is back to talk to us about how to feel more fed at Mass. It's a great topic. It was his idea. So if you don't like it, write to him. <laughs> it was great, wow. actually. <laughs> Email address. Yes. Email addresses. No. Uh, it was a really great conversation. Um, we actually even got a plug in for ignition, which is awesome. So uh, first, we're going to talk to Dr. Chris Bergwald for some biblical bites with Dr. B. Most of the books that Father Scott references or has with him uh, in the interview are mine. I figured they must be. He, he came looking. Um, <laughs> do you have he this? raided the library. Yep. Do you have that? Yep. Do you have this? Yep. <laughs> and so. what was interesting is he did not even know that you were doing the mass series on ignition. Yeah. Well. So. Now he does. <laughs> <laughs> So it is the 23rd Sunday in Notre Dame time. We'll just get that out of the way for okay. you right away, Renee. Sure. The one um, time I looked ahead. Okay. Well, the one Thank time. you. See, um, I, we're, we're, we're going to focus on the gospel, but I, I have to mention the second reading is from St. Paul's letter to Philemon. And the reason I'm mentioning I it saw is that. because this is, so the letter, <laughs> if you open your New Testament, yeah. uh, Renee, if you opened your New Testament, you would, so the, the letter to Philemon is literally like a page long. It's okay. the shortest document in the, uh, in the, well, the Bible. It was New probably Dem- like three scrolls back in that day. Uh, it's pretty short. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, it's the shortest. So we, but we actually do. I, I talked last week about how that second reading is the semi-continuous. Mm-hmm. We get a sampling. Um, and so we do get uh, in here in year C, 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, we get uh, a little paragraph from Philemon. And next week we're on to Timothy. So because well, there's nothing left there's of Philemon. Nothing, yeah, we pretty much covered up most of it. But I wanted to focus on the Gospels. So I'm going to give kind of my one of my quick readings, okay. um, just because of time. Luke 14, 25 through 33. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, brother, sorry, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost? I'm going to speed. Just going to, so there's the whole laying the foundation, blah, 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 resources, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You can look it up in your Bibles. It does not say blah, blah, blah. But if not, well, he's still far away. He will send a delegation after peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. So there are three clauses three statements in here by Jesus about who can or who can't be my disciple. Mm-hmm. If you don't hate your father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, and yourself, you can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross and come after him, you can't be his disciple. If you do not renounce all of your possessions, you cannot be his disciple. So Renee, we've got this diocesan vision, lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship <laughs> through God's love. Mm-hmm. Pretty much nobody, I think, is going to meet the bill when you take these three statements on face value. Right, right. So there has to be a deeper so, story right. here. So what's <laughs> going on here? So the first one, which uh, so I think most of us are, are able to guess, there's probably something else going on. Mm-hmm. When Jesus says you have to hate father, mother, wife, children, etc., what that means is it, it's a Hebrew, an idiom, like the sun rises. We don't mean that literally. So mm-hmm. an idiom, it's a, a turn of speech. What Jesus is saying here is, I have to be first, even above your mother and father. And you're supposed to honor them. Mm -hmm. Even above your wife and your children, 
even above yourself, I have to be first. Um, second one, I think is we're more a bit more familiar with. Who does uh, who whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow come after me can't be an example. Right. We have to bear the burdens of our lives mm-hmm. as his disciples if we're going to be right. his disciples. Right. <laughs> But finally, anyone who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. So with this one, this is the one that I want to focus on a little bit more. Um, renounce possessions. He's not saying sell them right, and give right. them away. You have to renounce them. So you have to be detached. Mm-hmm. Like if I lost this thing or if it was taken from me, how wrecked would I be? Right. If I'd be wrecked at all, then I've got some work to do. Mm-hmm. He has to be first. We have to, first. We have to follow him, and we have to be detached from everything if we want to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, thanks for explaining those. That actually really helps a lot. Thanks, Doctor. You bet. In studio with me today, we have Father Scott Trainer. Hello, Renee. Hello. Great to be with you again. Yes. Uh, I asked Father Trainer to come back because he had a topic he had mentioned to me a month or two ago. Hmm. Um, and it's something that we've all heard. The when someone says to you, "I don't feel like I'm being fed at mass," mm. he said, "Let's talk about that." <laughs> said, okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> I didn't realize I'd made homework for myself. That's you great. did. You did. You should never say things like that to me. <laughs> Thank you for coming in today. Uh, all right. So um, we have probably all heard this, especially as Catholics. We go to mass every Sunday. We hear a lot of the same things over and over again, which is lovely and great, but it can feel maybe a little repetitive. And then sometimes we're like, meh, I'm not feeling fed at mass. And sometimes that turns into bad things. Like I'm going to go look for a different church, Hmm. which is a bad place to go. So um, when in your experience, what do people mean when they say I'm not being fed at mass? Well, I think when someone says that it's really important to take interest in what they mean by that Mm -hmm. themselves. Cause I think if, a hundred people say that it might mean 150 different things. Right. 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 And so number one, we just want to honor like, thanks be to God. They have a desire to receive something more. Right. Oh yeah. So desire is the measure of our capacity to receive. Um, St. Augustine has some great writings Mm -hmm. about desire and receptivity. And in one passage, he's talking about the exhortation to pray always. Oh yeah. And he says, you know, like we can't always be like genuflecting and making the sign of the cross (laughs) and doing the actions of prayer. Uh, even though those things are an important part of our prayer. Mm-hmm. But he says this, that the desire of our heart is itself your prayer. There's another interior kind of prayer without ceasing, namely the desire of the heart. If you fix your desire on eternal union with God in heaven, your prayer will be ceaseless. So if you wish to pray without ceasing, don't cease to desire. The chilling of love means that the heart is silent. So what he's talking about in this beautiful passage is, um, he goes on further than that, but uh, is really like, look, when I'm in love, so just think about when your experience of falling in love, mm-hmm. right? The great love of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I desire to be with that person. And if love grows cold, my desire to be with them grows cold. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, the, the short version of that is desire is the measure of our capacity to receive. So someone's like, I want to get more out of mass and it's not happening. I'm not being fed. Right. Uh, And it's important to see in the details of what that means for them. But thanks be to God that they have a desire for something more, because that means there's something prepared in their heart to be received. Right. And so uh, depending on the details of what the person is experiencing in this felt sense of I'm not receiving something to connect them with the endless riches of the reality of the mass. Right. So there's one thing of what Jesus offers us at every mass 
no matter if it's a beautiful church or an ugly church, if it's right. good preaching or if it's lousy preaching, if it's awesome music or it's terrible music, right? Right. Yeah, because I think sometimes there's, people think that there's a, something lacking in mass, and yeah. that's why they don't feel fed. Right. But that can't be possible. But Jesus Christ is the same <laughs> yesterday, today, right. and forever. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Like what's happening? What's be, what's happening at every mass? What's happening at every mass is the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is made present and effective for us today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So think of all the different aspects of Jesus, mm-hmm. the wonder of the incarnation, that the eternal God took our human nature to himself and took flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. The power of that endless mystery is made present and effective for us. Right. Uh, the fact that Jesus sanctified all of human life, all the ordinariness of human life in his 30 years of hidden life at Nazareth, right? So there's nothing that is small or ordinary ever again for the believer of Jesus Christ, right? That is made present and effective for us. So if mm-hmm. you're bored, if you feel like you're in a rut, uh, you know, there's something that can be tr- to be received right. from Jesus in your communion with him in Holy Eucharist. Uh, Jesus's public ministry, all the power and wisdom of his teaching, all his power to heal the cripple and the blind mm-hmm. and the lame uh, is made present and effective. The power to forgive sins is made present and effective. His power over evil spirits is made present and effective. Mm-hmm. The redemptive power of his suffering and death and the glory of his resurrection is made present and effective <laughs> us. That does, that sets us free from enslavement to sin, conquers death, and opens for us et- to the gateway to eternal life. That is made present and effective at every mass. The glory of his ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which totally and radically transforms the lives of the apostles and evangelize the whole world, is made present and effective for us at every mass. So there's nothing... <laughs> In the valid celebrated mass that is lacking objectively. Right. But each one of us on a daily basis rise and fall in our capacity to receive mm-hmm. and to notice what we are receiving. Right. So again, that gives me back to if someone desires to receive more, thanks be to God, right. because it can be met at the mass. Again, regardless of sort of the external realities that sometimes people fix their attention on. How's the music? How's the preaching? Is the church beautiful or not? All those sorts of things. So I have a question for you. Uh, Several times you said present and effective. Yes. So I know what present means, Mm -hmm. but when you say effective, what do you mean exactly? That it can make a difference in your life, in your circumstances, and your relationships today. Okay. That's what I mean by effective. Fruitful. Yeah. Transformative. Powerful. Impactful. So I think that's important for us to hear because- that I think maybe is the fed part. It it's is. it's being effective. So are we letting it's it be me. effective? Right. It's that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so my question for people uh, when they have brought this to mm-hmm. me is when you go to mass, what do you expect to receive? Uh, yes. Okay. And when do you, you come want to, to mass, be entertained, well, <laughs> there's, there's that. that is a mistake. I think people make sometimes. Well, if you expect to be entertained, mm-hmm your experience is going to rise and fall on the basis of how entertaining mass is. And you're going to trade mass for something that's entertaining and designed to be entertaining. We live in a world of entertainment Mm -hmm. and the church is never going to, and should not strive to out entertain the entertainment industry. (laughs) It's not going to happen. We shouldn't strive for it to happen (laughs) because something much more important is happening in mass than merely being entertained. Yeah. Because entertainment really isn't a very deep thing. When it's you think not, about, no, it really it's a fleeting thing. Yes. And, you know, things that were super popular shows or movies uh, 10 years ago today are like, eh, Right, you know. right, yeah. 
uh, I really enjoyed the recent Top Gun movie, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> right. And uh, I remember really enjoying when I was in whatever, a freshman in high school or something, the original Top yes. Gun. Yes. And I rewatched the original Top Gun in preparation for the new one. And it's a terrible movie. <laughs> It's just boring. The acting's horrible. I did not you know? rewatch it before we watched the new one. I'm kind of glad now. I didn't watch it. Like, it was just, it was just like, but you know, like, wow, a taste of change yep. and, you know, of yep. entertainment. For sure. Time. So if, if someone's coming to mass for entertainment, they're going to have a very variable experience and right. they're going to get bored quickly because that's the nature of entertainment. Right. So really, um, I encourage people if they want to get more out of mass. Be very clear and concrete. What do you want to ask God for in mass? To right. exercise the desire of your heart. Okay. God, I need your peace. God, strengthen my faith. God, give me hope. I'm discouraged. Um, God, I need healing, physical healing, emotional healing, healing in this relationship. You know, asking God for concrete graces. Mm -hmm. This is something Jesus commands us to do, to seek and knock and ask and to do so persistently. Mm -hmm. And the mass is the preeminent place where we can seek and knock and ask. So one way to dispose yourself to have a more profound experience of mass is to be very clear about what am I asking of God as I come to mass today? You know, Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter four, mm -hmm. when he comes to the synagogue in Capernaum, oh, yeah. he unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring Glad tidings to the poor, to liberty to captives, to proclaim, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year of favor from the Lord. That's the jubilee year, the restoration mm -hmm. of all mm -hmm. things. That's what Jesus came to do and is empowered to do by the Holy Spirit in his public ministry. And we see it happen right. in the Gospels. Right. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Mm -hmm. That power of Jesus, that mission of Jesus is brought to bear for each person who attends mass as his once for all sacrifice is made present and effective for us in every mass. So the question is, you know, because these are gifts of love, they're freely offered and mm -hmm. can only be freely received. So right. when I seek and knock and ask, that's like, hey, I'm ready to receive. And if I come to mass without any expectations, just kind of passively, right. My heart is going to be closed to the gifts yeah. that are being offered freely. Yeah. yeah, I can actually pick out times in my own life where you're kind of just going to mass and you aren't really maybe thinking about no. it very much. And you just walk out. You're like, what did I even just go to church? <laughs> right. um, so there is something there's a lot that we the way that we participate in mass. So, yeah. you know, famously, the Second Vatican Council rightly called for full conscious and active participation mm -hmm. at the mass. Mm -hmm. People translate that into like, oh, I need to be a greeter or I need to be a lector right. or I need to be an usher, right? <laughs> right. Or I need to be a, you know, a cantor or a musician, right. all of which are excellent things. And thanks be to God, people offer their gifts for such uh, ministries in right. the church. That's not what the church really means by full, conscious, active participation. It means offering myself to God and receiving God's total gift of himself to me. Right. And I do that precisely by bringing my desires and making an offering of myself with Jesus on the altar. Right. So before mass, if someone wants to receive more out of mass, they should really be intentional, intentional about what they want to ask God for. You know, we always have the petitions at mass, right. yep. but those are usually rather generic, yep. right. And kind of follow a format for yes. uh, the whole church <laughs> and for the world and yep. for elected officials yep. and for the sick, you know, local and things yep. and yep. the sick and yep. the dying. Yeah. Yep. And that's right and good. Uh, they're the general intercessions. Mm -hmm. 
what are my particular intercessions right. that I'm bringing to mass? Right. What are the cares and concerns I'm holding in my heart? What are the good things I want to ask of God to help me in my relationship with God that I'm seeking and knocking and asking for at mass? Mm-hmm. And a particular moment of engaging my part, active participation at mass is the offertory. Right. I'm a big fan of the offertory. Okay. <laughs> and the offertory, I think, is often a distracted time in most parishes mm-hmm. because, you know, the baskets go around, we're singing the song, uh, whatever family had cute kids, they're being yeah. asked to bring up the gifts. Well, the Holy Spirit, there's like 18 ki- 1,800 kids coming up and oh, putting right. them all in the, the baskets, so it's very right, distracted. Right. That's a lot of <laughs> yes. cuteness going on at yes. the altar. The drama of the cruets are going to make it up in one piece or right. not. Like, there's a lot. Kid had the meltdown because he's shy and like, you know, can't like, find mom and dad right, after. What's going on? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> So there's a lot kind of going on at the offertory. But what's basically happening is the bread and wine are being presented. But the bread and wine are symbols of the gift of the whole congregation and every member of the congregation to be placed on the altar as Jesus offers himself to the Father that we can be united to that offering to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. The Catechism says in paragraph 2100, the only perfect sacrifice is the one that Christ offered on the cross as a total offering to the Father's love and for our salvation. By uniting ourselves with his sacrifice, we can make our lives a sacrifice to God. So I want to be, I can, and I want to offer everything to God at that together with the bread and wine mm-hmm. uh, on the altar. I want to place all that yep. on the altar so that in a few moments later, when the priest prays the prayer of Epiclesis, this is, may the Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, mm-hmm. that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I want that power of the Holy Spirit, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to be poured out on my self-offering, on me, on my, the people I hold in my heart, all my situations, all my relationships, all my intentions in my life. I want all of those on the altar to receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when I'm saying I'm offering myself, not just like the good things I do, the virtues I have, (laughs) my successes in life, I want to put on the altar my failures, my terrible sins, Mm -hmm. the worst things, the things I least like about myself or I hate most about myself. I want to offer those on the altar Mm -hmm. because by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be redeemed. Yes. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which is made present and effective on that altar, is redemptive. It takes sin and death, conquers it, and transfigures it into life and glory. Right. And I want that transformation to happen with the stuff in my life. Yep. Am I? Am I? T- can yep. you get the feeling no. that I'm a little revved up yes. about this? And I'm so glad you said all that because several years ago, when Father Haggerty was the associate at Holy Spirit, mm. he talked about this. It was mm. the first time I had really heard this. I've been a Catholic my whole life, and mm-hmm. I've never really heard of doing this. Yeah. And that really changed things for me at Mass and made it different. Fed me more. (laughs) Nice. You start getting more out of Mass. Right, right. right. Yeah, and there's this little hidden prayer just to get people the sense of the scope and the power of what the church knows and believes is happening. Mm -hmm. And we can be drawn more deeply into ourselves. Um, There's this little prayer in the uh, preparation of the gifts where— Excuse me. Noises that I don't Is know God why. calling you on your phone? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I turned everything off. All right, sorry. Um, there's this little hidden prayer at the preparation of the gifts where uh, the priest or the deacon who's preparing the chalice oh, yeah. puts the wine in the chalice and then a little drop of water. Mm-hmm. The prayer that accompanies that is this. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Mm-hmm. This is the great exchange that's happening on the altar with everything I'm offering on the altar, mm-hmm. right? That whatever I present to God, my uh, that 
But when we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humble himself to share in our humanity, Jesus enters into all of that and he unites all of that to himself. Whatever's not holy in that, he makes holy by his mm. suffering, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. He transforms, transfigures, redeems, takes what's dead and brings it to life, takes what's alive and transforms it in glory. Right. And that power is poured out at the sacrifice of the mass. Right. So uh, that those two things, like t- having a preparation for mass where I'm like, what do I want to offer to God? What do I want to place on that altar today? And then doing that at the offertory, asking God to for the good graces and blessings that I need is a powerful, it will transform people's experience of what they're getting out of mass or how they're being fed at mass. Right, right. right. So a question has come up in my head about mm-hmm. um, uh, a possibility of spiritual dryness because mm-hmm. a lot of times in prayer life, you might feel that for a while. Sure. Mother Teresa had, was kind of famously felt that for years. Can that that's possible in mass too, even if you're doing all those things. Right. So what would you what do we do then? You just keep pushing forward. Do, uh, do you not? No, it's not, just, it's not quite I'm, just I'm a simple burn. woman, so I just say just keep pushing forward. <laughs> right. So spiritual desolation is where my spiritual senses are scrambled and okay. I think up is down and left is right. Mm-hmm. And though God is present, though God is pouring out his love, no greater love is there than this, than to lay one one's life down for one's friends. Mm-hmm. Jesus's love, his infinite unconditional and personal love is made present and effective for every person at mass at every mass. Right. Okay. And does that register in me or not? Are right. my senses alert to that or not? So think of a person who's blind or deaf, there's light and sound going on, but they don't perceive it. Okay. That's what happens in spiritual desolation mm-hmm. or spiritual dryness. Right. God hasn't changed. I feel like maybe I'm separated from God or God has rejected me or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my spiritual senses are not picking up the reality of his love and grace and blessing. And the church has a great wisdom of how to conduct ourselves in a time of spiritual desolation. Read all about it in the Rules for Discernment of Spirits. Yes, yes. Father Timothy Gallagher's excellent book, Discernment Mm -hmm. of Spirits. uh, It's a pink book in case you're looking for it. (laughs) It always stands out to me. (laughs) And there's a lot of great teaching available that ready at hand for anyone who's interested. in. And talk to your pastor. Like, hey, I'm just really dry. Yeah. I want to receive things, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. Mm-hmm. And a person who's knowledgeable of these dynamics in our spiritual life can really help you. It's not something we're going to easily figure out right. on our own. Right. Yeah. One of the things, but the simple, most simple version of that is if I recognize that, like, God, I'm here, I'm not feeling or hearing anything, is God, I'm desolate, help. Mm-hmm. God, this is really dry or this is really boring, help. Right. Offer that dryness, offer that boredom on the altar and watch what happens when the epiclesis is prayed. Right, okay? right. Really, really true. Right. Um, I would say also, uh, if people desire to receive more from their experience mass, which again is a, a beautiful desire, uh, a few just very practical things that they can do. Mm-hmm. One, one is to take the mass readings, say if you're going to Sunday mass, to, and pray with those during the course of the week in your own personal prayer. Right. And pray for your homilist, okay? Oh, yes. And I think what people need to know, because a lot of times people will be like, oh, I'm so distracted at mass. Think of parents with little kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just constant corralling activity. And they feel bad because they can't pay attention to like the prayers or the preaching or whatever else is going on at mass. They don't need to feel bad. (laughs) Well, that's going to be good for them to hear. They do not need to feel bad. (laughs) And And this is like a version of this. So if I'm preaching a homily, okay, and someone takes like, the, something I say in the first two minutes and it just really moves their heart and they're drawn into conversation with God and they don't listen to another thing I have to say for the next 15 <laughs> minutes. Thanks be to God. That's perfect. Right. Or if they have never heard a word of my homily because they're really captivated by something that moved in their heart during the opening prayer oh, sure. or during the penitential rite, uh, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, or 
from, you know, some lyric of one of those hymns that we've sung. Mm -hmm. And they're just like caught up in that. And that's drawing them, their heart and mind to God. And they're talking about to God about what's stirring in their heart. And they're not paying attention to the rest of what's happening in mm -hmm. mass. Great. Because that's the place where God is, you know, drawing your heart to him. Right drawing you into communion with him. And one of the beauties of praying in a congregation is like the mass will go on just to fine without your <laughs> undivided attention, you know? Thank Thanks goodness. be to God. Thanks be to God. And Aquinas says, you know, uh, do we need to pay attention for our prayer to be fruitful? Do I need to be perfectly attentive to mass? And he talks about attending to the words in their right order and mm -hmm. their right, that's one kind of attention. Another kind of attention of paying attention to the meanings of the words. Mm -hmm. And then a third kind of attention to pay attention to the one to whom I direct my words. Oh, sure. And what he says is none of those are necessary for the fruitfulness of our prayer. Oh. What's really necessary is my intention. So again, what do I desire? What do I intend mm. to do as I go to mass? And if I'm all distracted by my parenting responsibilities <laughs> or I'm just super tired that day mm -hmm. or whatever's going mm -hmm. on, that doesn't impact the fruitfulness of our prayer. But he does say of those three kinds of attention, paying attention to the words or their meaning or the person to whom I address the words, if I pay attention to the person, to God, to whom I'm addressing my prayer, that really does help our felt experience, the oh, sweetness sure. of our mm -hmm. prayer. Mm -hmm. And so if nothing else, just keeping drawing your attention back to God, God, you're here. Yeah. You're loving me with your whole love. You desire to draw me into union with yourself. Here I am distracted by all my kids. And I offer that to you. <laughs> and all the things I have to do today. <laughs> and all the things I have to do today. That's a That's big right. one. Yeah. Um, any other practical tips? Um, we hit them all. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more I'm sure we could say, yeah. but, uh, it's also, I think can be helpful if a person really just wants to be, to make a, a real effort to enter more deeply into mass. Uh, there's a lot they could do just to focus. I would say focus on a part of the mass, like oh, yeah. the sign of the cross mm -hmm. or like the penitential rite, mm -hmm. or like the readings, um, just some part of the mass and enter into it more deeply. Yeah. Uh, I just got done leading a retreat for deacons and their wives out in rapid city and we were just going through parts of the mass and unpacking what's going on mm -hmm. in this part where we do this. Mm -hmm. And you could just see them lighting up. Yeah. Like, and these are, you know, 99th percentile Catholics. They've been through five years of formation, mm -hmm. both the deacons and their wives, because mm -hmm. the wives have to go through it with them. And they're knowledgeable to faith and good people and prayerful people. But even for such a formed group, this sort of unpacking of what's going on in the different parts of the mass explodes. So the catechism of the Catholic Church mm -hmm. is a great source for that. Um, Ted Shree has a great book called uh, A Biblical Walk Through the Mass, Ooh, right? Okay. And kind of gives scriptural connections for that. Yep. Uh, Scott Hahn's books, uh, A Father Keeps His Promises, really helps me understand. Mm -hmm. This is the new and ever eternal, new and everlasting covenant in my blood. Mm -hmm. Well, what were the old and not everlasting right. covenants? And he, so what's the what's the storyline of right. what's actually happening at Mass? Right. Uh, a Father Who Keeps His Promises mm -hmm. is a, a beautiful summary of that yep. whole history that will just, if people don't aren't familiar with it, will transform their experience yep. of mass. And uh, my my new favorite is uh, Brant Petrie, Jesus and the Jewish yeah. Roots of the Eucharist. It's one of my favorite books. It is an amazing, yep. why is this a favorite for you? Uh, it just really, it really explained so many things that I didn't understand, made all the connections. To, it was amazing. My husband loved it too, and he's not a reader. Right, so. <laughs> awesome, right. Yeah. And these are all for popular audiences. Yeah. You don't have to be a you yeah. know a trained theologian to yeah. really, really benefit from them. You can so. also listen to Ignition, hey. where Bergwald, Dr. Bergwald, I just called him Bergwald, sorry. Dr. Bergwald and I actually do a, a series unpacking the mass. And oh. we're only about a third of the way through the mass and there's like 10 episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other thing that I try to do um, at mass is I actually follow along in the book. Yeah. 
because otherwise I, it, it, I find it much less likely for me to get distracted if I'm following along in the book. Why not? Which seems ridiculous for someone who's been going to church her whole life, but it helps me. <laughs> that is awesome. So, all right. Thank you very much, Father Scott, for coming in and talking to us about this very important thing. Thanks, Renee. God thank bless you. you. You too. Uh, if you haven't found us on social media yet, you can always find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and now at Rumble as well. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.